Goosebumps number nine. Welcome to Camp Nightmare. It's the little camp of horrors. Those scary stories about camp are all coming true. The food isn't great. The counselors are a little strange. And the camp director, Uncle Al, seems sort of demented. Okay, so Billy can handle all that. But then his fellow campers start to disappear. What's going on? Why won't his parents answer his letters? What's lurking out there after dark? Camp Nightmoon is turning into Camp Nightmare. For real. And Billy might be next. Listener beware, you're you're in for a scare. Nice kids. They're gonna love Dark Falls. Saber's hungry. Stay out of the basement! I must have your beautiful hands. You know how much I love how you You're listening to Welcome to Deadcast. Welcome. Welcome to Welcome to Deadcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel. I'm Matthew Scott Montgomery. Matthew is very excited tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never been to camp before like this. You've never been? Well, we, we went to day camp or something, but we never went to overnight camp. So the only camp I've ever really been to is Camp Night Moon. I, I feel like we've been to camp because I think of school trips that we've been on, like Teak or whatever that thing was. Did we go to Camp Whooperwill? We did go to Camp Whipperwill, but that was day camp, and we only went for, I think, one day, and then we told Rosemary that we were done, right? We, we did? I, th- I think we didn't like it. I have a lot of specific memories of it, like muddy old porta potties and some kid with a, he got his leg bit by something and there was a chunk missing from his leg. And then we made like name tags out of leather with our names on it. I spray painted mine orange and, oh, remember there All was- All on that one day? I, well, I thought we went for a few days for like Probably. a week. Probably. I don't know. Memories lie. Okay. What were we going to say? There was this thing- at like this long like sloping hill and there was like stretched out like black trash bag material and you'd slide all the way down into this puddle at the bottom that was like this muddy puddle what and it was like a slip and slide or whatever but it oh, was so fun oh i have fun. vague memories of that yeah i think we, I, we were really young it wow, was fun camp but i've never had like i don't i don't think we've ever had i haven't had the bunk experience and like camp counselors and oh mess you know hall. what Ma- listener Matthew and I went to different a different high school for one year for our freshman year and at my high school freshman year and then I went back to our school long story doesn't matter but in, at my high school freshman year we went on like a retreat that feels very similar to how camp oh, yeah, camp night moon felt there are bunks all my camping experiences from ghost camp or camp nowhere or um Oh, shoot. Return to Ghost Camp. All Goosebumps books. Camp, Curse of Camp Cold Lake. Curse of Camp Ooh, Cold God, Lake. That one's God, that so, so good. good. A lot better than this one, actually. Well, this one's not This one's not bad. I gave it a B minus. No, this one's not B-. bad B-. at all. I think. 
This is like a, I feel like this is a this is probably a fan favorite or something. Yeah, and I want to talk about the cover for quite some time. We I was re- recently on a plane and I stared at the cover for quite a while while I was waiting to turn on my electronic device. Why don't you um talk about it then? Well, um okay, cool. It's some pretty good colors. I was thinking staring at this cover, I was thinking of like how we've got, grown They so- are some pretty good colors. I was thinking like, "Oh, I'm so complacent with Goosebumps covers because I've seen them so much and they're they're just imprinted on my brain. Like they imprinted on me like Renesme." So yes. like I'm like really used to these covers so much that I I, can't, I don't think about people seeing them for the first time. So this listener, is a good one. It's, it's listener creepy. if you haven't read or seen the book or seen the episode for Welcome to Camp Nightmare, just Google it real quick or buy it or something. I mean the cover of it is this this tent with a glowing green <laughs> glow. The colors out are of it. so great because the sky is dark red and purple. There's a camp outside. It's at night, but the, the trees get all purple in the background, and then the, the sky is kind of an orange red. Orange red. And there is this gnarled hand that's coming around the side of the tent and reaching in and tearing apart the mosquito it's a net. It's cute little hand. And then there are these evil yellow eyes that at first looks like they're attached to the hand, but if you really look at it, the eyes are like back in this bush. And I'm like, I'm just. It's I a th- mystery. I think it's such it's a sexy cover, and I really like it. And it's a B minus, but I think this entire book for me rests on the end. Mm. It rests on the twist ending. I feel like mm. this is a a quintessential Goose- twist ending, Goosebumps twist ending. Let's, and if it didn't have this twist ending, I don't think I'd be batting lashes. I think so too. Let's save that ending for. I know, but I just, I just wanted to just put that out. Yeah. There. So this book came out in July 1993. It's been one year. 1993. Goosebumps have been out for a year. Mm-hmm. It's been one year now. Nine books in a year. That's okay. right. Okay. July 1993. And obviously this one's about going to camp. And this book starts out with a bunch of kids on a bus. 18 boys and four girls to be exact. On a bus bouncing mm. hard on a dusty, narrow road. The wheels now, in the bus go round and round. Uh, what I think is interesting about this... Round and round. We're never gonna stop going. Round and round. That used to be my alarm in the morning. Boys, I need you here with me. We can't go on this way. I'm falling hard for you. All I can say. Ooh, that's a good one. Mine is um, N- New Bitch by Iggy Azalea. Oh, really? When I hop out, his new six, fresh in some new shit. Damn, she is too thick. Who is this? Yeah, I'm his new bitch. Yeah, it is. It kind of came back that way by accident, actually. Really? Yeah. So, so now when I hear, mine used to be the Glee acapella cover of Teenage Dream. We can dance until we die. You and I. Then it was a Bush song. Mine was Halloween theme song. Yeah, for a very long. For, time. But for a while, it was Selena Gomez in the scene round and round. That's a good one. Shout out to Selena. Hey Selena. Hey Selena. See you on Wednesday. Um. So the the beginning of this book is there's a lots of, there are a lot of colors at the beginning of this book that I want to talk about that will come into play I think potentially late, later. Refresh my memory. But they're on a they're on a a bus on a road. And the road is framed by white, stumpy trees. I'm sorry. This book is really frightening, actually. It's terrifying. This, this, this opening sequence, and then towards the end, it's kind of... I, I wanted to reach into the past and find sweet, tiny little MSM and be like, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Let's because get it, into it. Okay. Let's get nasty. <laughs> so, um, 
I just want to point this out. Arl Stein describes the sky as yellow with bright red hills in the distance. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh, what a painting a picture for us. Or is he? I'll get back to that later. I made me think of some episodes of Rugrats. The sky would be yellow and the clouds would be purple. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was an interesting choice. Cool. The end. Thanks for listening. Tune into the Rugrats podcast. Welcome to Rug. Welcome to Rugcast. The main character <laughs> of the book is Billy. He's 12 years old like every... Poor Billy boyfriend. Um, he's like every Goosebumps protagonist is. Um, it's his first time at sleepaway camp, and he talks about being a little nervous, a little worried, and his mom says to him before um, they leave, he says, do your best. Strangely, when they say when he says when she says goodbye, I also to him. feel like his parents are scientists, and in a lot of Goosebumps books, the parents are scientists. Oh yeah, scientists like studying dark, trouble, or my best friend is invisible. Studying dark, dangerous woods. Yes, the um, well, werewolf fever, werewolf fever, something. That's a joke that we had Riley and hey, listener. I'm in a sketch comedy group called BFT Comedy. Watch us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram. Subscribe to our channel, and we did one sketch. Sort of making fun of, uh, not making fun of, making fun with Goosebumps. And the characters were, uh, it, it was a kid freaking out about a monster under his bed. A, a little girl named Deborah Ann, and she was freaking out about monsters. It was for a Halloween show one year. And freaking out about monsters under her bed. And the parents were like, don't worry, honey, it's just pipes. Just rusty old pipes. There's no monster. Mm-hmm. Like, parents never believe the kids in Goosebumps books. But one of the things that they said was, um, honey, no, it's just this new house we've moved to here because we've moved to this new town to, to, because we're scientists studying dark, dangerous woods. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cute. So Billy is 12. He is joined by his, you know, soon-to-be friends, uh, a guy named Mike who's, who's, who's chubby and got that, got that round face. Is he wearing a tank top and he's very nervous? He is. He's wearing a sleeveless green tee with baggy brown shorts. Work. And got that spiky black hair and he's chubby. And then there's Colin um, who's pretty cool and has a red bandana and silver sunglasses and long hair to his shoulders and he's the ultimate cool. And he doesn't take them off for quite some time. He doesn't. Silver sunglasses is such an odd thing to think about. Silver samurai, silver surfer. Mm. And the other guy, sort of the main guy, is Jay who is wild, bushy, red hair, bright blue eyes. He's big loud and muscular and sounds like he's my type yeah that's true and he's just like a jokester and is all over the place and there's two girls one is dawn who's blonde and there's another one named dory with red hair Mm, those are finding dory those are our characters so anyway um you know they're joking around on the bus and all of a sudden the the bus screeches to a stop and i did not remember this part this i I know this is just first remember this either but the driver steps stops you know stops the bus steps out of the aisle and it turns out that he's a monster and this is the description of what he... Try and imagine this. I almost had to draw this. Okay, I'm going to try to imagine it right now. He has big, red, bulging eyes. Okay. A snout nose. Okay. Wild, bright, blue hair. Okay, a, a troll doll. A big, pink head with heavy, black lips. Okay. With green liquid oozing out of his mouth. With sharp, white fangs. And no one noticed this until they... Come to a screeching no. halt. And then he howls and howls and screeches and ah. A bright pink snout-nosed face with red bulging eyes, neon blue hair, and big black lips with green gunk coming out of it. Yes. Okay. And white fangs. And it's, okay. oh God, oh God. And it turns out it's just a mask. The haunted mask. The haunted mask. And he says, lol, just kidding. Makes them get off the bus. And it turns out they're in the middle of a desert. 
mm-hmm. which I think is so interesting. Yeah. And people are like, where are we? What are we doing here? Why are we getting off here? The bus driver never answers. <clears throat> Dumps off their luggage and leaves. Leaves in there all alone. Yes, yes. Um, and they're stuck on this concrete platform in the middle yeah. of the desert. And... Um, Billy's talking to Don and Dory and they're asking him if he's from Center City and he says no he's from Midlands near Outreach Bay oh okay interesting Um, is it and then it turns out I think so and then it turns out the girls they're not going to the same camp the girls all four girls are going to another the girl version of Camp Night Moon fantastic four so Jessica Alba fantastic and the bus driver just drives off and leaves them there and everybody's freaking out and then all of a sudden they hear And then they start hearing animal cries. And I did not remember this I remember this. And a bunch of creatures come scurrying up to the platform. And they cry and screech and corner all the kids. Do they describe what they look like? Yes. They're wolves or wildcats about three feet tall. Like a bunch of them. Slender, scrawny, with red-brown fur, red weasel eyes, long, silvery nails, and double rows of teeth. That's so terrifying. What and are these things? And they're just come skittering across the desert towards this pack of kids. It's so rare that we have unabashed monsters. I know. We've had quite a bit, and this is only chapter three or and something. These, and, and these ain't masks. These are real monsters. Right. Um, and <coughs> Excuse me. Let me have a sip of my water. We're both kind of sick right now. Oops. Sorry, you guys. Um, drink your vitamin C um, and take some emergency get some sleep I never do fresh um, lemon mmm delicious uh, and so they're about to pounce tomato juice mmm I love that I'm getting thirsty and hungry I'm always so hungry when we do this um, Billy Billy all of a sudden sort of becomes the leader of the group and says we, we run away let's run away guys but they can't because they're stuck on the platform or something don't they just stand there and scream and wait for their deaths yes and then as the creatures are about to pounce they hear a big bang the big bang theory and someone and they scurry off because someone shot a gun at them and it's this man and he's there with a camp another bus that nobody heard him and everybody starts immediately laughing and celebrating <laughs> which i think is so strange because would you be like who is this guy we were almost killed by these nameless creatures that no one's ever heard of but it's this guy named uncle al and uncle al is a big red-faced man with a fringe of curly yellow hair a blonde mustache a beak of a nose tiny black bird eyes below bushy yellow eyebrows and it's uncle al and he's wearing white shorts and a t- camp green camp t-shirt and he says get on this bus doesn't answer any of the questions they say what were those things oh i forgot heart camp jelly jam too yes and he doesn't answer any other questions about them nobody answers anybody's questions in this this entire book book. yeah and they get on the bus if you're looking for answers in this book you won't find them they get on the bus and they drop the girls off by don and dory and they get to their camp the guys camp which is just a row of white cabins in a white lodge atop a sloping hill that's it that's it. Good That's night. All. So Jay, Colin, Mike, and Billy, you know, the four that we mentioned earlier, are assigned to bunk four. It's small. Lol. And their camp counselor is a guy named Larry. I would always want the top bunk. I would never want the bottom bunk. Do you know what I mean? Wouldn't that be fun? Insert joke here. I, whatever. I, I just think, I think the bottom bunk is such a waste. Nobody wants the bottom bunk. You know what I mean? Like, like being on. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be on top? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the, forget it. Forget, forget I even mentioned it. Larry, their camp house was a guy named Larry who's da- red, who's a redheaded guy with dark freckles. Oh, not light freckles. Okay. He's tall and skinny, and he's a jerk. He's a grade A jerk. He's a classic. I think the casting is pretty good in the TV episode. We'll actually. get there. I think it's great. 
Um, so let's get the show on the boat. So Mike starts screaming because there are two snakes in his bed, not one, but two. I think this sequence is still upsetting to me to this day, and I, d- I didn't like reading it when I had, knew I had to reread it. Well, uh, Mike freaks out. Jay teases him and says, oh, you got some snakes? And bumps him, and Mike falls on the bed and gets bitten by one of the snakes. Snake bites him on the hand. Literally every child's worst nightmare, I think, They even mentioned that blood comes out, which they rarely mention blood in the book. They do, Maybe earlier in the series, we're still in the blood oh, phases. Oh, gosh, the blood phase. Ooh. So Billy comes up with a plan to get the snakes out of there, and they he, he grabs the ends of the sheet with Jay, and they take the sheet out of the cabin with the snakes in it, you know, as opposed to how we're going to get rid of the snakes. They decide to wrap it up in the sheet. Yeah. And throw the sheet away. And and Mike's freaking out as I would be too. And he runs to go to the nurse or something. We don't have a nurse here. This is a camp for... That's is, right. Larry says, where did the chubby one go? And they, and they said, he went to the nurse. And Larry says, what, what nurse? What nurse? And Mike returns and says, there's no nurse. And Larry says, here's some bandages. Wash it off. You'll be fine. <laughs> but he also says, pretty cool plan, Billy. Smart uh, thinking. Uh, pretty cool. And Billy dude. says, I get it from my parents. They're scientists. Okay, and they explore the wildest places. <gasps> Larry says, yeah, well, Camp Nightmoon's a pretty wild place. And Uncle Al doesn't like coddling campers. Bitch. So that night they have burnt hot dogs by a campfire. Sick. Uncle Al tells them the rules, which are... Remember that one time you, me, and Deborah Ann went camping? Yes. Oh, wow. See, you have been camping. But we didn't stay overnight. We stayed there pretty late. And we cooked hot dogs on sticks. Oh, wow. That was... And then we had onion chunks. And we read sh- scary stories by the fire, and it was fucking freezing. It was still pretty fun, though, and I'm glad we did. But we smelled like ash yeah. for, like, days after that. Yeah. We were one hot piece of ash. <laughs> My throat was coated with thick black ash. <laughs> It was. I can still, I can still, I can still taste that. I can still feel the blade on my. (laughs) I can still taste that that choky smoky choke. I can too, and and I don't want to do it again anytime soon. I love you, Deborah Ann. Love Love you. I've been almost. So now I realize I've been almost camping a few times. Going to camp, whatever. I'm sorry. I love Big Bear. I love. I loved hiking and stuff. We stayed in a cabin in Big Bear. Yes, many a time, and we're gonna do it again soon. I just want to go skiing. Okay, so um, Uncle Al tells him the rules. Lights out at nine. No going to the girls' camp across the river. Mm. And he says, be careful because there are grizzly bears and tree bears. Tree bears? Mm-hmm. Not the one, Berenstein not two, but bears? tree. <sighs> tree bears are hungry and in the woods. And he says, if you see a bear, get down on the ground, put your hands over your head, and I'll never forget that. Really? I hope that's right. Knowing Arl Stein, it's I not. hope I never see a bear. He says that two, last summer, two kicked. Two kids were attacked by bears. Were they mauled by bears? Maul Maul madness. So, and he also says, stay away from the forbidden bank. And they see that halfway up this sloping hill, there's just a bunk hanging to the side. And it's... And it's strictly foreboding. And he says, don't talk about it. You know, stay out of, stay out of the, stay out of the bunk. (laughs) Stay out of the forbidden bunk. And he says, also, the most important rule is write your parents every day. Every Every day. day. Meanwhile, Mike's hand is hurting. He has the chills, and um, he thinks he's dying. Because he got his ass got bit by a snake. 
So Black Snake Moan. And Billy says, it's okay. We'll find Larry after the campfire's over. This can't be right. As they, as they right. walk back to their to their bunk, they hear human-like, long, shrill howls, like an animal in pain, coming from the forbidden bun. Can I tell you a scary story really fast? Yes. I know we're taking our sweet-ass time with this episode. Um, my little brother loves to tell me scary stories until I just begs him to stop. This is a story that, that Shane... That sh- sentence to make me sense. Oh. This is the story that Shane told me when Shane lived in his old apartment in Burbank. Yeah, did you ever have you ever been to his place before? No. It, there's like a loft in the top, but it's like basically one big room. Yes. Well, in the, the the living room part of it. And one night as he was sitting there, I don't know, watching TV or something, up in the loft, he heard a man scream <gasps> as loud. He said so loud like it was right next to his ear. And Shane was absolutely frozen in fear and hours later went upstairs to the loft and no one was there. And his apartment wasn't near another apartment. He can't explain that. Man's scream as loud as possible, like right up in his loft. So he, he doesn't know what it was Still to this day. day doesn't know what it is. I think the idea of that's so scary, like a man's scream. I think like animal screams are scary in one way, but like a man's scream yeah, or like human screams. That's awful. Yeah. I hope he's okay. I think he is. I'll text him. So um, they go back to the cabin to find Larry to deal with Mike's hand. He's not there. Um, of course not. Larry. And they're talking about the forbidden bunk, and they say, oh, that's just a bunch of bunk. That's not. That's nothing real or whatever. Mm-hmm. And... Colin and Jay say, um, we should we should check out the Forbidden Bunk. We should break into the Forbidden Bunk sometime. No way. Is this when they're camping outside that one night? They'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, okay. Um, Larry overhears them and pops up out of nowhere and says, the Forbidden Bunk's real. You need to stay out. He says, stay out of the Forbidden Bunk, and you can't go out at night because of Saber. And he introduces the idea of Saber. Mm-hmm. And Saber is this generic monster that's in the woods that will just kill you in the yeah. middle of the night. Yeah. Um, and Colin says, hey, you're just kidding. And Larry says, no, Saber will rip your heart out. <laughs> Go out at night and meet him, he says. He's a heartbreaker. Ooh! So the next day, um, you know, they have breakfast, whatever, um, and it's time to play scratch ball. I was going to say this earlier, but like Arl Stein, I think, really likes baseball. I there's think he a does lot too, of, based on his tweets. There's a several times in books where he brings up baseball and, you know, write what you know or whatever, like write what you feel. When he's talking about the sport of baseball, he goes into like detail about it. I don't know the first thing about baseball. I don't want to like, read about baseball. Me neither. What a total snooze. I want to read about scares and screams. But I might want to read about scratch ball. Mm, cat scratch ball. I could explain how scratch ball works, but it, it's basically, I think it's baseball except no bats, right? You just throw the ball or something? I don't know. Who cares? So Mike has to sit out because of his arm. It's hurting. Ouch. And in the middle of the game, Colin, Camper Colin and Larry getting a little Silver tip. sunglasses Colin. Yes. Bread bandana. Super cool Colin gets in a tip with Larry. Super cool. And Larry, you know, throw, throws the ball to home base or something. And it, and in a moment of, of rage, oh. Billy sees this. He's the only person that sees this. He sees... A, a look of fury appear on Larry's face, and he sh- he throws the ball, and it hits Colin in the head hard Fuck. on purpose. And Larry says, "Oh, it slipped! It slipped!" But Billy knows it. Billy, Billy knows he meant it. Saw it. So they have to carry him carry him back to the lodge, 
and Billy has a pretty bad feeling all around about everything that's happened so far. It's like a sev- this. That's why this book, the twist, was the only thing that really works for me because this camp is so sufficiently vague. Like, there's not like a clear point of view, like Camp Curse of Camp Cold. Like, it, this one, it's just like random, uneasy things happen, but like nothing specific. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. So, um, like, it'd be one thing if all the camp counselors were part of some conspiracy. It'd be one thing if there was a forbidden bunk. It'd be one thing if there's saber in the woods, but all this just kind of stuff is half happening. Yes, you're right. And I think the TV episode does a good job of tying it all together. You don't think so? I will talk about it. Well, I think it does a pretty good job. Anyway, um, Billy's getting concerned that things are getting a little weird at camp. Look what I did. I packed you and your cousin some goodies for the ride up to camp. And Mike is, they don't, they go back to the cabin after they take Colin to the lodge. And it's just Jay and Billy in the cabin and Billy says, I saw Larry do it. I saw him throw it. I saw him. Yeah. And Jay's like, yeah, 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 whatever. And they realize they're dropping like flies. So later at the, later there at the lodge for dinner, I'm going. Later at the lodge for dinner, um, Arlstein describes, he first describes the lodge. I just have to say this. I just no have windows. to say this. Yes. He first described the lodge as being windowless. And then later they talk about Then later he says, they were sitting by the window in the lodge. And I literally wrote in my notes, you said there weren't windows, Robert. <laughs> I did it right there. That's like, yeah, it's in all caps. And it's two exclamation points. You I'm said there weren't it. windows, Robert. I won't be ignored. So there's a big old food fight and someone spills grape juice on Billy and somebody goes, look, he purpled his pants. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't funny when I read it, but now it's funny. <laughs> So he goes back to the bank to change, and he's, when he gets back to the bunk, he real, he sees that all of Mike's stuff is gone. Like, in his trunk, his clothes, everything is gone. And then he comes back, to, comes back to the lodge and says, Larry, where's Mike's stuff? Where did Mike go? And Larry says, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. So that night, they get ready for tent night, which is when their bunk is going to sleep outside. And Jay says, hey, tonight's the perfect night to break into the forbidden bunk. And we're going to do it with my friend, Roger. Like, okay. Yeah. Introduce some guy named Roger. So yeah. sure. So that night they're in the tent. Um, Colin, Billy, and Jay. Colin's still reeling from his from getting knocked in the head. Yeah. He says he's still seeing double. And he's out of it and woozy. And feeling a bit peaked. So, they, so in the middle of the night, Roger comes in and says, Jay, it's time to break into the forbidden bunk. And they say, Billy, are you sure you don't want to go into the forbidden bunk? Billy's like, no, I don't think so, guys. He's always stalwart and true. He's such a strong leader. He's got a, such a strong moral compass. So, but since Billy and Colin are awake now, they say, let's go back to the bunk. It's cold. Mm-hmm. The ground is hard. And so as they are going back to the bunk, they hear screams. <gasps> they hear screeches and animal mm-hmm. howls. And Jay comes running out of the darkness and says, it got Roger. It tore Roger to, to pieces. pieces. And then Jay faints. <sighs> and Billy carries him inside. They all hide out in the bunk and freak out. And Jay comes back to life and says, it was Saber. It was Saber. It was Saber. And then all of a sudden, Saber bursts through the window. Ah! And everybody starts screaming and then it realizes no 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 it was just Jay's imagination <laughs> I was gonna say I don't remember that I don't remember Jay bursting through, I mean Saber I don't remember Saber bursting through Jay the window says, Jay says oh no Saber Saber's coming Saber's hungry Saber's coming he's coming through the window look 
and then they look at the window and it's a chapter break and it turns out Jay was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just so scared I imagined it. Great. So they all huddle together and fall asleep terrified that night and wake up the next morning and there are no signs of an attack anywhere. They approach Larry at the lodge, <coughs> probably by, like. sitting by a window at breakfast. And Larry says, there was no attack. There were no screams. What are you talking about? La la Lou. Larry says he didn't hear anything. He'll talk to Uncle Al. And he says, time for morning swim. And Billy's like, why is everybody ignoring my questions? Nobody cares. Nobody believes me. Larry says, you probably got, you guys probably had a nightmare. And La- a camp Bill- nightmare. Billy says, no, I had a night moon. So they go to, Ooh. Ooh. so they go to swim or whatever. And while they're at the river, Larry shows up and says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked about your friend Roger. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. He said, I asked about your friend Roger. And it turns out there is there no never camp. was no camper named There Roger. is no camper named Roger. He... There never was a camper. And there he says, so you were wrong. And Billy says, no, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. And Billy's in the woods and... And he, there's a hand around his mouth, and it's Don and Dory. Isn't it in the water that they come around a bush or something? So they are at the lake, and after Larry tells them there's no such thing as Roger, I have written down in my notes, Jay and Colin go back to the bunk to cry, and Billy decides to swim. <laughs> so that's a terrible camp. I know, it's the worst. And while there's, well, I guess while he's swimming, Don and Dory surprise him. And they've swam over from the girls' camp. And they say, you don't understand. Weird things have been happening. Campers are disappearing. And they actually and right. say, people call it Camp Nightmare instead of Camp Night Moon. Good. Call it out. Call it out. That's good. And they said they haven't been, they, they said one girl was attacked by a bear and nobody cared. Basically, a bunch of crazy stuff is happening and nobody cares. And Billy's like, same thing here. It's crazy. And Don and Dory say, we have to get out of here. Let's meet here the day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And Billy says, okay. At no specific time. It's like, we'll just meet. Okay, great. And um, Billy decides, you know what? It's time for him to call his parents. So he goes to call his parents and goes to the payphone. But it's just a plastic prop. It's not a real phone. <laughs> and he turns around and Uncle Al's there. He's like, hoo it was just a prop phone just to make you gag, just to make you laugh. There's no phone here at Camp Night. You homesick? He says, why don't you write to your parents? That'll make you less homesick. Are you excited for your canoe trip tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And Billy's like, oh, what are you saying about? Canoe trip? He says, yeah, you're going on a canoe trip tomorrow. So Billy goes canoe back to the bunk. Canoe trip. Billy goes back to the bunk. Jay and Colin are there crying. And he decides oh, to write his too. parents and say, you know what? I'm... Parents' days, visitors', visitors day, day is, is next on. week, and he says, "I'm gonna leave on Visitors' Day. I'm gonna go. I'm writing my parents to tell them I'm out of here. This camp is this camp is weird. We're leaving on Visitors' Day." Mm-hmm. And Larry shows up and says, "Hey, Jay and Colin, time for a hike, but not you, Billy. Just you two. So, Sorry. So Billy's left all alone to cry, to cry and cry and cry. And while he's alone, uh, he decides to mail the letters that he's in, the letter that he wrote to his parents, and. He breaks into the office and puts it in the burlap <laughs> mailbag, and he discovers that none of their letters that they've been writing every day, like Uncle Al said they had to, have been mailed. What a shocker. They're a shocker in Shock Street, and they're all in a burlap sack. Mm, boogie woogie, man. That night, they play relay races in the lodge that doesn't have windows, but still has windows, and Jay and Colin aren't back. What? They're still hiking? That's so strange. And Larry tells Billy, "Get you need to go to bed because you're getting up early for your canoe trip tomorrow." So does he go back to his bunk all canoes, alone? Canoes, canoes, canoes. And when he goes back to his bunk, two new guys are there, Chris and Tommy. 
He says, and he says, hi, we're Christopher Tommy. We're new. And they said bunk four was empty. And Billy says, what are you saying? What are you talking about? And he looks and sees all Jay and Colin stuff is gone. There are never any campers here named Jay or Colin. So now there are no many, no, mm -hmm. now there are no campers there named Jay, Colin, Roger, or Mike. Okay, cool. Okay, great. Thank you. And they said, hey, we're Chris and Tommy. How, how long are you staying at camp? And Billy <clears> says, oh, oh, not long. I'm, I'm leaving, leaving on Visitor's Day. day. Didn't you hear the announcement? There's no more Visitor's Day. Visitor's Day has been canceled. Ooh, ooh. What? Ah! That night, Billy can't sleep, and he thinks he hears screaming. Nah. In the morning, uh, Larry decides to ask about Colin and Jay, and what do you, do you think Larry has any answers for that? No. Of course not. So it's time for the canoe trip, mm. and it's Tommy and Chris and Billy, and they're all on the canoe trip, and it's cloudy, and it's stormy, and it's cold. Isn't Larry in the canoe, too? And Larry, yeah, yeah. Larry's taking them on the canoe trip. Right. And Billy didn't, wants to demand answers, and they said, yeah, 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 we can talk to Uncle Al after the And Larry's like, you're going to like the canoe trip. There's some real sexy rapids. Yeah, sex. River wild. So there, I love the river wild. Never seen it. You've never seen it? I started to watch it and got bored. It's Meryl Streep. I know, I'm a terrible person. It's Meryl Streep and Joseph Mazzello. I know, I'm a shell. Oh, you've got to see it. It was on demand one night, and I started to watch it, and I, I, I don't know. I hit the snooze I alarm. I promise you it's worth watching. Oh, wow. I have such good memories of it. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear that, listener? I, I think they can. It's a helicopter. Coming. Saber's coming. Saber's hungry. It's coming to take us away. So they're on the take canoe trip, and away. everything goes totally fine in the canoe trip. And the next day, of course it doesn't go fine. Yeah. Things go terribly wrong on the canoe trip. Once the sexy rapids hit, what happens? Larry goes flying into the water? Sort of. Um, Larry points out some fish and, goes, and stands up. Because you guys should look at this, canoe, this fish. Whoa. Look at these fish and falls what? overboard. And Billy being Billy... Just Such a natural bone. Jumps in after after Larry. And mm -hmm. then... Ever after. Tommy and Chris are on their own now. He saves Larry's life and pulls him to shore. And then they walk back to the camp and it takes three hours. And he thought Larry would be more grateful for his life being saved and would finally give him some answers. But no. Fucking stupid old fucking Larry. Nope. Larry says he doesn't know anything about Jay and Colin. And, but he you know shit! But he admits that things have been strange. Okay. He does say that. That is a step in the right direction. They, Thank you, Larry. Uh, they approach Uncle Al when they get back. Uncle Al! And Uncle Al isn't concerned about Billy, isn't concerned about the missing kids, and doesn't even acknowledge the fact that Billy saved Larry's life, and they're both sopping, soaking wet after a three-hour walk. And instead, he's worried about, what about my canoe? You left my canoe? <laughs> that night, Billy's in this cabin. Um, I don't think... Chris and Tommy come back either. No. I'm sure they don't. Mm -mm. There were never any campers here named Chris or Tommy. Billy's all alone. He definitely hears howls coming for the forbidden bunk. Howls. And Larry wakes him up in the early, early, early before the sunrise and says, special hike. Yeah. And Billy asks a lot of questions about the special hike, but Larry doesn't answer yeah, any of them. Yeah, do you think he gets any answers? Uncle Al is dressed in camouflage. Um, and is forcing everybody to line up after breakfast. Mm -hmm. And he's wearing black sunglasses. And the counselors are carrying big brown bags. And isn't the sun not even up at the this point? The sun's barely up. Right. And he takes and they mar start marching towards the river. And Billy decides, this is I've had enough. I've got to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And then he realized that Uncle Al is staring right at him. And he has a gun. He's got a gun. 
Oh, I remember this part. And Uncle Al makes an announcement and says, there are two two campers, two female campers from across the river that are on the loose that have run across the, you know, run to that the- have run amok. That have run amok. And he starts pulling guns out of the brown bags and starts handing the campers- And hands them to all the campers. Hand, start, starts handing them, it says. It says, aim carefully when you see them, shoot them. And Billy says, no, what? No, no, What? Shoot them? Kill them? And Uncle says, Al says, we're not killing them. They're loaded with tranquilizer darts. <laughs> do you have a problem with that, Billy? And Billy says, you yeah. know what? Yeah, I, got I do have a problem with that. That's the Billy. And Billy takes I his know. rifle and he shoots Uncle Al. Bitch. Yes. Yes. Do it, Billy. Shoot him. Bam. Bam. Bitch Except it's not down. a bam. Bam. Sid. Super bitch. It's not a bam. It's a soft pop. And, and nothing happens. Except Uncle Al starts laughing. <laughs> Congratulations, Billy. Uncle Al says, you passed. I knew you'd pass. And then, guess who's coming out of the woods? It's Don, Dory, Jay, Roger, Mike, Chris, Tommy, and Billy's mom and dad. Mom and dad. And they all say, congratulations, Billy. Congratulations. Congratulations, Billy. It's not a summer camp. This is a government testing lab. All of us here are actors working for the government testing lab. Every camper in the entire <laughs> camp is an actor. We've been testing you, Billy, so to make sure you can go on an official expedition with with your parents. We're going something really dangerous and the government wanted to make sure you could pass all the tests so we could take you to this dangerous, wild place. And they say you passed because you obeyed orders. You never went to the forbidden bunk. Yeah. You showed bravery. You saved Larry's life. You knew when Which not is- to follow orders mm-hmm. when you decided to meet with Don and Dory. And everybody's so happy and so excited and... Um, his parents say, we're going to the most dangerous place in the universe. And Billy says, what is that place? What place is that? And mom says, a strange place called Earth. And the mom says, no one has ever studied it before. And the inhabitants can be weird and unpredictable. Ha, ha, ha. Dun, uh, uh. Now, before we do our favorite thing, which is to read the first paragraph and last paragraph of the book, I'd like to go back and point out all the things that I mentioned at the beginning. Okay. Because now that we know we're not on Earth, do you think Arl Stein really meant it that the sky was yellow and that the hills were red and maybe that's just the way things are there? Very good. And when um, Don and Dory and Billy are talking about where they're from and they say they're from Midlands, no center city, no, no near Outreach Bay, those are all made up places that we don't know because we're not on Earth. Yeah. And that explains those crazy creatures that definitely aren't from this planet either. With the silvery nails. So, I think it's such a genius twist. It it's, is. It's, it's an so incredible great. twist. I remember I... It just gave me that thrill, that zip, that zop, that it's, tingle, that snap, that crackle, that pop. pop. It really has that zizzle zag that really gets your goat when you read Gustav's books. Yeah. It is just so satisfying. It's the twistiest twist. It's the nipple twist. So, so this is the first paragraph and the last paragraph of the book. Just read it already. I stared out the dusty window as the camp bus bounced over the narrow winding... I stared... 
I stared at the dusty window as the camp bus bounced over the narrow, winding road. I could see sloping red hills in the distance beneath a bright yellow sky. We'll see, Mom replied quietly. We'll see. Uh, so good. So Dan and I just watched the TV episode and- TV episodes. That's right. Sometimes there were these hour-long movie things that came on, like Night in Terror Tower, The Haunted Mask, or The Haunted Mask 2. This, this is was, not one of them. This is specifically a part one and part two created for television. These. This was season one, episodes five and six. Oh, was that early on? Okay. Yes. And there are seven clips from this episode that are in the opening credits of the Goosebumps series. There's seven. Seven. And there's, I mean, this episode I think is kind of a clunker, sort of. Um, It's really claustrophobically directed, and the director, whoever it is, takes some real chances and makes the absolute most out of every moment he possibly can. Yeah. Lots of upside down, canted angles, spinning extreme close ups. Like, Inside out. A lot of crazy stuff like that. And, and I guess visually it's like a, it's an important episode because there's so many clips from it. There's constantly fog around and there's one moment that's like in a wind tunnel where like leaves are like twisted Ooh, towards... There. Anyway. Uh, the first first half aired on November 17th, 1995. Okay. And the second half aired November 25th, 1995. Eight days later. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Hmm. That's what IMDb said. Do you think you it's know, lying? Like, didn't Goosebumps used to come on Friday afternoons at 4.30? Maybe it come on a Friday afternoon, then part two came on a Saturday morning. I'm actually going to Google what day that was. Okay, let's look it up. Friday. November 17th was a Friday, mm. which means part two came on that next Saturday. How kooky is that? That's pretty cool. I don't exactly <clears throat> remember that. Yeah. I don't know why I would, though. Right. But I do have a great memory. So, so let's talk about the episode. Now, I think the episodes, let's just say episode for um, the podcast's sake, do a good job like Girl Who Cried Monster did of sort of, of mm, making the book a cleaner package. Okay. You know? Sure. The book is kind of, like you mentioned, a little bit all over the place. Yeah. And... The episode featured was really focused on saber. He had a lot more saber stuff. Which saber in saber in the in the episode we get to see saber. We see him a lot. Terrifying and exciting and awesome in this huge animatronic bear monster. Yeah. So let's let's go through let's go through the episode and and. And <clears throat> well, the beginning, instead of them being stuck in a desert, they're just left Definitely off in the, in the woods really, really quickly. They're just, they're not wasting any time. And, ne- and Billy's already kind of established as the leader. Sort and of, yeah, he's an immediate leader. And instead of them being on some platform in a desert, they're in the woods and a creature approaches them and it's Saber. It's literally and Saber. And it's this big old animatronic monster. Yeah, with big paws and stuff like that. And, and Uncle, then f- Uncle Al shows up. A and fireball sh- comes through the woods. Now, it looks like they actually shot this. It looks like that's something they actually Not like a, st- like a stock. Yeah, it looks like fireball, which but, they use again and stay stay out of the basement. Yes, when... When um, Casey and Margaret, or Casey's playing video games and stay out of the basement, the television episode, there's like a digitized, pixelated... Pixelated sort of shot, from Which this is episode. this fireball that's coming from Welcome to Camp Nightmare, yeah. which is kind of cool. It's kind of a wink. Uncle Al looks exactly how you think he's going Uncle look. Al's really well cast. I think this whole episode for the most part <clears throat> billy's a little B- billy's got that butt cut and he's got kind of he holds a lot of tension in his mouth 
Yes. There's like an odd mouth thing that's going on. It's like almost Culkin in a way where it's it kind of it's like a, little a tight mouth. It's a little Culkin. And he's got a little bit Cynthia Nixon teeth thing going on. He does. But it's not working for me. And I actually feel like he's going through puberty throughout the episode because sometimes he's gorgeous and sometimes he's really awkward and his features are lanky and I clunky. I didn't think about that. I just couldn't stop staring at his calves. I thought he had great calves. I never saw his calves. I was so distracted by There's a lot of butt cuts in this episode. Yeah. It's, butt it's, cuts are just bowl cuts. I just call it butt cuts because I just love saying the word better. butt. So uh, they get to the... They get to the camp. No, I didn't. We just skipped a bunch of stuff. Not really. Saber shows up. Uncle Al, you know, is exactly how Uncle Al is describing the book. And he was like, "That's Saber," and everyone's like, "Okay." And instead of them, uh, instead of them getting on, hopping on another bus after being abandoned by that first bus, which they are, instead of being picked up by another bus, they walk. They walk and a they, mile, a heck of a mile. And it, that gives a chance for them us to be introduced to Dawn. Yeah. Dawn's not blonde. She's she's a brunette, and she's a she's not a good actress. She's a terrible actress, but she has the thickest bangs I've ever seen on a human being, which I'm kind of envious of. Um, and through the woods comes this like kind of cute like buff dude who turns out to be a woman named Martha, and she takes the girls to like the girl version of Camp Nightmoon. Yeah. And so then the guys continue their way. Now the guys, <clears throat> at this point, there's like nine or twelve guys, and the size of the camp changes throughout the episode. These the guys are different than they are described in the book. In in the TV episode, it we have uh, Jay. Except Jay's not big and red. red. He looks like a short, chubby Lupita Nyong'o. No, no, no. Oh, is Jay Jay's the black one? Yeah, Colin is the one with the glasses and the bandana. Roger. Oh, yes. I'm getting. I'm see. I'm even confused. Jay is not big and muscular. He's um, black and not that funny. Yeah, no, he's not funny at all. In the book, in 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 the book, he's like kind of a jokester. They make Roger the one who cracks the jokes. So, and Roger's there. Roger in the book, Roger is just some guy that shows up halfway through that, and it's me- the that same, immediately gets the same eaten. actor who plays Gabe in Return of the Mummy. Are they the same no, guy? No, it's not the same. I'm guy. thinking he's in an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark. He is an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark. It's the Leprechaun one. Yes, you're right. Who is? Yes, you're right. It's not the same guy from Return of the Mummy. So, and Roger is the big old jokester, so he takes the place of J... It's, it's confusing. It doesn't matter. And then Colin has his bandana and his sunglasses. And he's kind of sexy. Yeah. I can say that because we were young when we watched it. Uh-huh. Yes. And so we just kind of shuffled things around a little bit. And so go to their bunk, and Mike kind of gets he gets bitten by a snake off camera and he kind of just goes ow and everyone looks over and what and, and there's this really gross fat snake that's kind of writhing on the bed and they do the same like sheet trick we're tossing it out the window um and then larry comes in and larry, larry's really well cast he's got those big old butt teeth he's got that ichabod crying body and he's got um a butt cut he's got the ultimate blonde butt cut um <clears throat> and camp night moon i feel like in the ep- television episode it's all about being a of not being a baby and not being a wuss and being a that, man. That first night they sing songs by the campfire. I will. I want to throw something in quickly. When when they get to the bunk, there is written in blood red letters, "Saber is hungry" on That's the wall, right. which yeah. is no not in the book. "Saber is hungry" is a phrase we hear a couple. T- and we'll talk about that in a second. Yes, but anyway, that first night, um, you know, Mike is in pain because of the snake, and same as the book where there's no nurse. Yeah. Was this a camp for wimps or whatever? So he's like, have the baby wash his hand and we'll put some bandage on it because that'll help the snake Yeah, so bite. like Matthew was saying, the the episode is more focused on camp night night moons for big guys. So they go like, they, the first night there, they have like a uh, sit around the fire and they sing this tuneless, toothless anthem that doesn't even 
have have a have a tune at all. Like I'll I'll, I'll insert the clip here in a second, but Uncle a- Uncle Al just bangs on a guitar, and they're like, Can't, "Night moons for big guys, not for cuddling and wusses." Camp Night Moon, big guys, machismo, machismo, machismo. Makes me very uncomfortable. And meanwhile, there's a there's a thick rolling fog coming from nowhere, and Mike is miles away, sitting by himself and like pensively pondering his sweet life. And um, Billy goes over to see him, and Uncle Al is annoyed because he's talking during camp songs or whatever. And Billy's like, "But his hand." And Uncle Al says, Larry, how come I didn't know about this? And Larry's like, I don't know. And so then he like... And Uncle sh- Al assures him that tomorrow he's going to feel fine. And, his, his- and then he kind of turns around and gives kind of a speech about what a great guy Billy is. And there's this kind of this awkward hip hip hooray thing. Three cheers for Billy. It really reeks of like kid extras who are like kids of like the producers or writers or something who want to guest star on an episode. But they don't really actually want to be there. And it's a late night. And they've been shooting for a while. And they're all out of energy. <laughs> So it's like they're kind of half-ass clapping, going woo, hip hip, and they like, but they all look very bored. <laughs> That's amazing. So as they walk back to the camp that night, they see the forbidden bank, and here it starts a trend of seeing like a point of view from Saber. Yeah, there's like kind of this like the killer Myers POV, POV of Saber throughout it. the entire episode, yeah. both parts, but both episodes of Saber's everywhere, and he's always watching them, and yeah. he's grunting and howling, and yeah, 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 yeah. So then they then they like have their sponge for breakfast the next day. And in the morning when they wake up, Mike is gone. Yeah, Mike is gone. All his stuff is gone, which I think is handled better <clears throat> than it is in the book. It's yeah. Like they, he's just immediately gone as opposed to sort of just fading away. And they kind of sit down for two seconds at the mess hall or whatever to have their gray lumpy oatmeal and cups of water. And the second they sit down, they're like, let's go play baseball or scratch ball. Well, quickly, before that... Um, Billy and his his long boxers decides to go out in the morning and look sort of look around for for Mike. Yeah. And we're introduced to a character who's not in the book, who, who's bald name. with glasses. His name's George, and he's a really creepy guy. And they have this ridiculous fisheye lens. His name's like Emil the Night Janitor. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Goosebumps reference. I know from Phantom of the Auditorium. Uh, from Phantom of the Auditorium. Goosebumps number twenty four. It's getting late, and. So, but he'll come into play a little later. So, Barely. anyway, they're eating their sponge at the at the at the mess hall, and they decide to play baseball instead of scratch ball. Like I was about to say. And same as the book, Larry throws that ball. And girls, I mean guys, I mean anyone who's listening, girls and guys. When you see the helmet of the ball that Colin Colin got hit in the back of the head, there is a big ass Harvey dent in the back of that helmet. That's true. And like yes. that kid would be fucked up. That, that kid, kid would be, be fucked dead. up, at least concussed. Yeah, and I totally do want to say that this episode is ripe with beautiful, mournful, melancholy harpsichord. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I never noticed, and I've seen this more than you have. It has that twinkle twanging harpsichord that's deliciously and inappropriately Victorian for a camp. <laughs> I promise you I never noticed it. I'm You're sure that- so desensitized to it. It's in a lot of Goosebumps episodes but there's all these moments where Billy's sitting by himself and, and you'll hear that twang, twang, twang of that harpsichord. Are you sure it just isn't the twang of like a fireside guitar? Like an Are You Afraid of the Dark fireside no. guitar? I'm pretty sure it's like a harpsichord. It sounds like Mr. Willoughby or whatever. I I'll wanna... play. I'll, I'll play. I'll insert it here, and then the the listeners can decide, and they can send their answers to boysandghoulspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Perfect. 
Um, so instead of uh, so Colin gets hit in the head by a ball that Larry throws, like I said, and Colin's you know fine, but like a little woozy, and Larry's like, it just he's slipped. not fine. He's completely knocked out, and they'd stand him up, be like, you're okay, and he's unconscious. I think what I mean by fine is alive. Okay, because he should be dead. Yeah. So that night is not tent night like it is in the book. It's survival night where they have to live. They have to bunk four has to sleep outside and live off the land. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I can't stand that phrase right now in my life. Live off the land. It made me feel physically sick when Uncle Al said it. Uncle Al says, and live off the land. And I want to say, choke on a dick. Uncle Uncle Al Al. can sit on my pink dick for all I care. (laughs) He can sit and spin. He really rubbed my fat tootie. So that night, um... It, it, you Fucking know. survival night, and Jay and Roger are like, "Yo, yo, yo, let's go hit up the forbidden bunk." And Billy's just like, like the bu- just like the book, Billy's like, "No." We get a voiceover, some letter that he's writing to his man, and he says, "No, I'm gonna stay in, the, stay here with um, Colin." So you know, cut to some screaming. Jay shows up and says, "He tore Roger to pieces. He tore Roger to pieces." And so they run and run and run, and they run into the well, back. They. You're missing the, the 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 most important moment of this. Does that happen now? Yes. Of this okay. whole episode. <clears throat> so this really, really scared me when I was little. Because Colin is there, but he's wrapped cocoon peapod style in a yellow sleeping bag with only his face peeking out. He's still out of it because he got banged in the head. Yeah. And he sort of has like a moment of, I don't know, psychic clarity or something where... And he says, Saber's coming. Saber's hungry. Saber's coming. Come on, man, we gotta go. Saber's hungry. And I want you that guys to stuck know. with us. Okay, I'll listen, tell the story. Listen, listen. So the the the, the line "Saber's coming, Saber's hungry" has stuck with us for years and years and years. Daniel and I were in a church pageant play at our church growing up, and I guess they used like kids from the youth group or something to be like extras in some scenes. So us and our friends Erica and Zach and like whoever else. We were like on stage we in front of friends. We, we were on stage on, at church in front of everyone for like Christmas or whatever. And there, I don't know, there's some scene where like Legion is possessing somebody or Jesus does something, and we're all like really excited about it. Or I don't know, there's like a clump of us on stage as kids wearing, you know, Nazarene clothes or whatever. And so there was a part where we had to Points exit. Are saying Nazarene. We had to exit really quickly and like change into angels or something like that. Matthew's. Matthew's don't misinterpret Matthew's tone because it was a total blast. Oh, no. It was so much fun. Are you kidding me? It was like the greatest experience of my life. You're, you're, it's sounding like it was awful. Well, there's a big smile on my face when I'm saying They can't see that. Okay. Well, I'm... Okay, so... Um, it was so, so much fun. We're about to exit. We're, we're like getting ready to run off stage, and I think I said it, prob- knowing probably. Knowing me. Maybe. Knowing me. <laughs> I probably said it, and... We had to get off stage quickly, and there was like a there was like a good chunk of us. And this, this big cur- old fat curtain. this curtain was coming across stage, and I guess I said it a lot louder than I realized that I said it. But I said, "Curtains coming, curtains hungry," and only <laughs> Daniel and I really got the reference. But everyone else thought started, it was so funny. And everybody else laughing. started saying it too. And we had some guy and some authority figure who like pulled me aside and grabbed me by my neck and yelled at me in the face and told me how loud I was and how inappropriate it was and how much trouble I, I was in. Like I give two fucks. I was having the time my life so at my church curtains coming curtains hungry became an inside joke with us for, for the rest of our lives yeah and we would and but no one knew where it was from it was just this thing where i don't know just in that moment i was like curtains, curtains coming, coming curtains hungry because it was, i felt like i was in a welcome to camp nightmare or something like that and that was my camping experience <laughs> 
I, I, something I ne- we never pointed out that I think we should is that saber spelled S A B R E, like saber tooth, like theater work, mm-hmm, like theater. But I remember reading it when I was young and much less sophisticated, and thinking that maybe it was sabery, <laughs> like daydream. I've been wondering lately who you loving. Say Brie. Oh, you harmonized, and I was gonna. Oh, I was just gonna. I was Forget going it. scary. Um, <clears throat> okay, so um, but they they're trying to run out of their survival tent, and Jay and Billy pick up Colin in his squiggly yellow tube suit, and it scared me the way that he looked because he looked like a fucking cocoon or some shit that was gonna break out into a butterfly, and I don't know what it was about it, but the way he moved and that the way. He, Terrified and gave me nightmares wow. when I was little. I'm so sorry. And there's a scene from the opening credits where they're trying to drag him and run through and the woods and they drop him. him. And it's this it, the image really freaks me out. Check it out. So they they make it back to the bunk in time and they're huddled and hiding and screaming. And, and someone's at the door. Sabers at the door. Sabers at, at the door. End, End of episode one. And then episode two. The first ten minutes are a recap of part one. And so they realize that Sabers at the door. <laughs> no, it's Larry. And there's this really fucked up shot of uh, a Colin in his yellow squiggle squiggle pouch wiggling underneath the bed and it really it makes me feel sick and i might throw up so larry's like what are you guys doing and they're like it ate roger oh god roger and and like yeah right you're a bunch of babies good night and, like, leaves, and leaves them there so in the morning at you know at the mess hall which is full of windows tons they they say larry was att- uh, i'm sorry larry roger was attacked last night and he said i don't know this guy roger put on your bathing suits we're going to the lake so they like go to the wait Billy goes to call his mom first, yes. right? Colin and Jay go to the lake. Billy goes. Colin's to... feeling a little better now. Colin's fine. Jay doesn't care that anyone got murdered last night. They're like, let's go to the lake. Billy decides to call his parents, and he gets the phone, and it's a it's a plastic prop phone. Yeah, and he and Uncle Uncle Al have an almost charming conversation where he's like, "You homesick? That's okay. Where are you supposed to be? You're gonna love the lake. Everything's blah blah blah. They wouldn't put a phone line out here, which they don't say in the book. I don't think they don't. They don't explain it. That well. explains it more to me. They explain it better in the episode. And Uncle Al says, you know, now go, go to the lake. And he says, oh, and Uncle Al, one thing, what about Roger? You know? Um, and sweet Uncle Al is gone. And all of a sudden, it's just militant, evil Uncle Al. And he, and never, looks, like, no he never looks at Billy. He's facing away from Billy. He says, you know, we looked in the records. There's never been a camper named Roger. Not a first name. Not a middle name. Not a last name. And Billy's name. like, okay. And so, like, Billy goes to the lake or whatever. And Jay and Colin are, like, in a canoe. Not very deftly trying to paddle their way around they're and, really clunkily paddling and Larry shows up and says you have to put on life jackets and so like Billy's like I don't need a life jacket and then he and Larry wrestle for two seconds and Billy falls in the water yes well no not not quite oh JK uh, Jay and Colin sort of stand up in the canoe and reach their arms out to receive a thrown <laughs> life jacket and, and of they course drown. <laughs> they course fall in fall in the river uh, fall in the lake and drown yeah and Billy jumps in to save them and can't find them and can't find their bodies. And Larry's like, I was never here. I, I was, was never, never here. here. And Larry, Larry runs, runs away. away. So here, this is, I guess this is a, an exchange for the, the rapids sort of scene yeah. in the book. Yeah. You know, they replace it with sort of a sleepaway camp moment with the canoe. Yeah. And canoe, canoe, canoe. So Billy runs back to the camp in his bare feet and is kind of chased by Saber, sort of. 
kind of much more saber again in the episode than there is in the book. There's this real, and then the directing Crazy. is so weird here, you guys. It's it's really really odd. And then he like kind of like goes back to his bunk and sits by himself, and then gets a baseball bat, and I don't know where he thinks he's going. And there's this, and this no one's there, no one's leaves, anywhere. Leaves are whipping around cartoonishly. It's like this the really is, weird montage. The point is, he's all all of a sudden he's all alone at the camp. So then he takes his bat and he goes to the forbidden bunk, and I guess well, no, you you're leaving out a part. So he gets out, and there's this huge wind, and there's Oh, pieces of paper flying <laughs> yeah, around. Yeah, with the cartoony leaves and wind. Yeah, there's letters flying around. We hear voiceovers of some of the letters. And I guess he kind of traces the letters up to the forbidden bunk. Yeah, it's letters from all of his friends that have disappeared That, now, of course, have never or, been mailed. Or have died, and the letters have never been mailed, and they're all in the forbidden bunk. I think it's interesting that, like, oh, a forbidden bunk, it's this abandoned bunk. So an abandoned bunk means just fe- leathery gray strips are hanging from the ceiling. It means all the walls are covered in burlap and fake dollar store moss is hanging from <laughs> the I don't, I don't. I don't understand. I and do like that we get to the we see the for, inside of the forbidden bunk yeah. in this, and the forbidden bunk is the letters. Yeah, and yep. Dawn's there with inexplicable yeah, Dawn's dirt there for, smudges on her face. Dawn's there doing a poor, piss poor job, and <laughs> says, and she has a sloppy ponytail. And she says, and looks "Things like, have been so crazy. People have been attacked, or whatever." And she looks like a dirty extra from Annie. She really does. She says, "Dory disappeared," and everybody's freaking out. And and then they see through the window, and they're like, "Oh, I'll meet you back here." Tonight I'll meet you back here. And then they see outside that Uncle Al is blow- he has blown a whistle, and there all the campers are outside, sort of looking around for something. Yeah, there's like eight campers, and Larry and all the counselors are wearing camouflage, camouflage crossbows. And cut to now, it's that moment where Uncle Al is handing everybody guns and says, "There's a there's a female, female camper, camper on the loose," and it's pretty similar to the book at this moment. At this moment. Yeah, the only difference really is it. So like, um, Billy and Uncle Al have their big standoff, and then he like shoots Uncle Al in the stomach or the chest with his uh, crossbow or whatever, and then Uncle Al laughs, and then all the people come out of the woods and like, oh, we've been pulling a Truman show on you, all of its stake. Everybody shows up. The, the moms, the parents show up. The moms eighty yard like every mom in every episode of Goosebumps ever is. I don't understand why. That <clears> the happens. only thing different really here is big old bald glasses George comes that we out. mentioned. All, he's like riding this animatronic. Well, what happens is everything's fine, everything's happy, and then all of a sudden Saber pops out of the woods and everybody starts <laughs> screaming. <laughs> and it's a big fake out because he actually, in the episode, is an animatronic who's run by that guy, George, with the glasses. Yeah. And they're just kidding, even Saber's fake. Lol. And so, like, Billy, like, taut mouthed, smiles his twitchy Culkin smile. And everyone, like, congratulates themselves and, like, oh, we're all actors here at the lab. And Larry's, like, I'm an actor. And then, like, one by one, all of his greatest hits come out of the woods. And, like, say, congratulations, Billy. I knew you could do, Billy. I'm so proud of you. And then they're, like, oh, we're going someplace dangerous and crazy. And, like, what's this place? Earth. And, and then they he- point up to the sky and there's an earth. There's a there's just earth floating in the sky like it's the moon. Like it's been stuck there with scotch tape. And I remember thinking, when this episode aired on TV or whenever I got the chance to see it or whatever, I remember thinking like, oh, they're not going to have the same twist as the end of the book because in the they can't pile, how can they do that? How can they say they're going to earth? There's no twist that really works. But for some reason, it still works for me with there's it just does. It still completely works. I think that's so ridiculous and hilarious. It makes me think of um, My Best Friend is Invisible a little bit. Yeah. It does. But it, we'll get there in a couple a good, years. It's a good, really classic Goosebumps twist. And I, I, I stick by my B-minus um, because I think the whole camp stuff is a little vague. 
Um, but it's only our first trip to camp here in Goosebumps. We'll be going back We're going several so many times. times. I That's can't right. wait. I'm I so love excited. camp. I just hope you guys had fun um, at camp with us in, in our in our bunk and stay out of the forbidden bunk. Next you time guys. we're visiting the ghost next door. Ooh, little neighbor. It was one of my favorites when I was little. It's such a weird one. I'm looking forward to reading it again because I think I've only read that one once or twice. Ooh, girl. The ghost next door better bring the cup of sugar. Ooh, woo! Anyway, so join us for a, a neighborly specter next time. If you dare. Saber's coming. Come on, man, we gotta go. Saber's hungry.